For these two years the famine has been in the land, and there are still five years in which they will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save you, your lives by great deliverance. So now it was, <coughs> sorry, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God and but God and He has made me a father in Pharaoh and the Lord of all the house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Then if you jump over to verse 14, it says, And then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he blessed all his brothers and wept over them, and after his brothers talked with him. Now, in the Greek, in the, Greek, in the Hebrew there, wept, it says that he could be heard throughout the whole palace. He was weeping so much. And all of the whole palace could hear him weeping. Amazing. Joseph's life is, is a type of Christ, actually. The Bible tells us typology of Jesus. But I don't want to concentrate on that this morning. I want to just say this. The title of the sermon is the person that made a difference for so many. And the person that made a difference brought great, great restoration. Great restoration. Joseph's life is a life of suffering, pain, tragedy, loss, but ultimately, restoration. Joseph, at the age of 17, gets a dream from God. In his immaturity, tells the whole family they're all going to bow down before him. And his interpretation of the prophetic dream is actually wrong because he was so young and so immature. The brothers hated him. They disliked him. And then they eventually sold him. I want you to just take, let's just go into this life of this young man. They sell him. He ends up in Potiphar's house by the grace of God. He finds favor. He's blessed in that house. Because this man had a great leadership mantle on his life. And so everywhere he went, he seemed to be blessed by God. And so therefore, he, he, he ends up in Potiphar's house and he wins favor. He's blessed again. And the Bible tells that he's a very handsome-looking man. And then part of his wife decides she wants to sleep with him in, in layman's terms. The Bible says day after day after day, she constantly was at him to sleep with him. And he refused day after day after day. And then she decides, well, I'm going to wreck your life because you won't do what I'm asking. And so she causes a situation, this man's life, where he ends up in a prison cell. For years because of her carnality and here he is in the prison prison of isolation prison of restriction prison of pain prison of hurt all that he had suffered now he ends up even in a prison cell because of his obedience to God but little did he know that his life was going to impact Millions. Millions. Little did he know that what he had to suffer was for the many. Just like Jesus. I'm going to bring that to the close in a few minutes. So here he is, years later. The very thing that put him in, 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 in the very thing that brought him into slavery would be the very thing that would bring him freedom. John 10, 10 says this, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. John 10, 10 says, 
that he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But Jesus then says, no, no, he comes to rob, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life. And that's the promise of heaven today. He's the God of life. He's not the God of death, and he's the God of restoration. Now, Joseph ends up in this prison, and then because of a situation where he interprets dreams for these two men, these two individuals in this prison, he finds freedom. And not only does he find freedom, because of his leadership mantle on his life and the ability that he has and the potential and capacity this young man has, it's 14 years later, 14 years, think of it, it's four, over a decade later, he arrives in the place where God had actually designed him to be. I want to tell you something. I want to say this. If you have suffered, if you have gone through stuff, if you've gone through pain, there's a purpose in it, friend. Let me tell you something. Nothing is hidden from God. Nothing, and I mean nothing. Not one drop, not one day, not one hour, not one second. If you've been rejected in your schoolmates or your classmates or your colleagues or your, wherever you work, if you've been rejected, abused, and all that, God has a purpose in all that if you allow him to do that. Amen. Joseph never winced or complained. He just went with what God had said to him. And so therefore, he arrives in this position. Now, here's the amazing thing of God. God puts him in that position to bring restoration to a nation and to his family. Hallelujah. He puts him in that position. He goes through all of that pain, suffering, to bring restoration to a nation and to the whole of his family. Now, here's the, here's the amazing thing. The word restoration in the English dictionary says this. Now, this is quite an interesting. To bring that to a good place. That's what it says in the Oxford Dictionary. To restore it to a good place. Now, when you hear what the Hebrew says, blew my mind when I read this yesterday. I thought, God, you are so amazing. God is amazing. Like, he is amazing. Like, he puts this man out of prison, puts him in the palace, from the prison to the palace. Like, seriously. Because he has a plan in this man's life to change a nation and restore his family. Now, when you hear this, the biblical meaning... For the word restoration, now watch, is to receive back more than has been lost to the point where the final state is greater than the original condition. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the biblical word of restoration. To take your broken mess and make it better than even when it was there. To take your life that was born, whatever culture, nation, whatever, whatever you've gone through, suffering, pain, all of that, to take all of that and then change all that and make it better and more abundance. That's why Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. He's the God of abundance, friend. He's the God of the supernatural. He's the God of the supernatural. So Joseph in, in Genesis chapter 45 is weeping. Do you know why he's weeping? Because he knows restoration is coming to his whole family. Because of his suffering, he would bring blessing. Hallelujah, friend. Turn your suffering into blessing. Amen. Turn your brokenness into life. Turn your dead situation into blessing. Hallelujah. Because he's the God of blessing. And he's the God of restoration. And he's the God of fullness. Hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Joseph names two of his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means, God has blessed me in my affliction. And then he says to Manasseh, God has made me fruitful in my affliction. Only God can do that. Hallelujah. No one on this planet can do this. No counselor, no teacher, nobody can bring that into fruition. Only God, because God created everything. I want to tell you this, right? I'm getting going now. I've only got a few minutes. Everything God does is perfected. He's a God of order. I've been telling these lads for weeks. God does everything by order. Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning I created this, and then I created that, then I created, and everything God does, he creates in order. So he gets a life that's broken. Now let me just say this, right? Everyone's broken. Whether you're a drug addict or whether you're not. Whether you come from a working class neighborhood or whether or not, you're broken. Because the Bible says that the moment you're conceived, you're broken. You live in sin, sin breaks you. Sin messes you up, sin breaks you. doesn't matter whether you go to a private school or a working class school. Now, some of our brokenness is a bit different. I was really broken. But God made me whole. But he didn't just make me whole. He gave me dreams. He gave me purpose. Is that the right way? Purpose. He gave me purpose for living. Right, lads, get it? Because he's a God of abundance. Why do you think he changes Peter's name? Simon the broken mess, Peter the rock. Think about it. Yeah. Mary Magdalena. Do you ever understand why he called her that? That was a nickname. Because Magdalena means terror. Mary, you're going to be a terror. Mary, you're going to be a terror. Abraham, Abraham. Think about it. Jacob to Israel. That's why Paul says, it's all making sense to me again. That's why Paul says in the New Testament, forget that which is past, it's dead. Romans chapter 6, that man died at the cross. That man was crucified with Jesus. That's why baptism is so important. That when you're in the water, baptism, the man that you were formerly is dead. He goes into that water, he's dead. The new man comes out. That's why Paul says, those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old has gone. He didn't say the old will go. He didn't say the old might go. He said the old has gone, friend. It's gone. Why? Because God takes that and breaks it and then molds it and shapes it and forms it into what it was designed to be. Hallelujah. So there's Joseph weeping in the palace, wrapping his arms around his brothers, the ones that caused him suffering. He now brings grace. Roy, let's jump in to the New Testament. Let's just park it there. Jesus born in a manger. Right, I'm going fast, right? I can see time. He's born in a manger. He's born in filth. That's where he's born. He's born in filth and poverty. But he doesn't remain there. He travels for over 30 years, and then he says, listen, then he says, at 30 years of age, he opens the scroll in the temple and says, the Lord has anointed me to set the captive free. Amen. Then he says, I'm coming. So he says, think about it, Jesus, Son of God, I'm coming to bring liberty to those who are bound. 
I'm going to preach good news to the poor. Those who are in poverty, I'm going to bring riches and blessing to them. The needy. Think about this. This is amazing. And then he just closes the scroll. And then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. When Satan himself comes and bullies him and manipulates him, has all his garbage towards him, Jesus said, Satan, it is written. Since the beginning of time, my father told you that the seed that I am of is going to crush your head and bring liberty and freedom to humanity and mankind. That's what he said. Just like Joseph. Now here's the most amazing thing. When Jesus gets to the cross, when he gets to the cross, he says, the Lord showed me this today. When he gets to the cross, he's hanging on the cross and he does something just like what Joseph did. Now, I've never seen this before. Joseph weeps on the brothers and the family. He weeps around them. Jesus is on the cross, and he says these profound words that we all just say it, and we just rhyme it, and we just memorize it. He says, Father, forgive all of them for what they are doing. They don't understand. For a day is coming. Now, listen to me. A day is coming when Jesus, not on the resurrection day, but on the, not on the ascension day, but on the coming of the king will come. And he will gather, listen, just like Joseph in the palace, he will gather humanity, all those who were born again, and he will restore humanity. And then he will not only just restore humanity, he will build a new world, and he will build a new Jerusalem, and he will build a new mankind. And they will be the mankind that will shape and form planet Earth for all eternity. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus will do in the days to come. But here's the most important thing that you've got to get this morning. We are living in days when God is going to restore humanity again. He's going to breed on brokenness. He's going to touch a life that's messed up and screwed up. He's going to just touch it, breed on it, change it, restore it, make a whole, but use it for the glory of God. Hallelujah. God saved you, made you whole to be a witness to the earth. Hallelujah. Joseph went through what he went through in order to fulfill what God had for him. Your life, oh, your life can make a massive difference to a community, to a neighborhood. Your life can make a massive difference to a city. A city. I believe in the next year, I've said this to Sean, I keep saying to everyone, next year is a year of revival. Globally, I'm telling you. God's about to do something on the earth that we have not seen ever. No, no one has ever seen it. It's going to be a precedent moment when God begins to breed on the earth. But he's breeding on the earth to release the earth into the fullness of what he has for humanity. Friend, God is about restoring humanity. It says in Joel, in, in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 24, he says, All the years the locust has eaten. The canker worm is eaten. The other worm is eaten. All those years that were ravished and destroyed, I will restore. Now, when a, when a locust goes into a field, they ravish it to nothingness. It's as barren as you can get. Yet the promise to say to you is this. All the years. Listen to me, Daniel. All the years. All those years that were robbed from you, God is going to restore. And he's going to restore it so much you are going to walk in and you won't even remember that man. Jordan, God is going to restore all those years. 
when your dad died, he's going to restore so much that people won't even recognize you too. Nathan, God's going to restore your life. Restore it better than it's ever been. God told me to tell you this. Better than it's ever been. In the next 12 months, you are going to be a totally different human being. Because we are talking about God. We're not talking about man. We're talking about God. And I'm standing on this promise. Bible says, if you believe the promises of God, they're yes and amen. These men will become mighty men of God. I'm telling you. Mighty men. The three of these young men. I know they're my nephews, but I know what God is doing in the hearts of these men. God is transforming these men to restore them to be powerful men of God on this earth. To win cities for Christ. Not just neighbors, to win cities for Jesus. That's what God is about, friend. He's a God of restoration. To take that which was broken, smash to pieces, and make it even greater and better and more abundant. And your life, your marriage, your home, your children, your grandchildren can walk in the fullness of what God has for you. If you believe that promise this morning, all the years that were robbed, God will restore, hallelujah, every single second that that beast robbed, God will restore. It is written, I am the God of restoration. That's why he says to Moses in Exodus, go in and tell him, let my people go. 2022, God is about to say to all that has happened, let my people go. You are God's people. You are God's inheritance. Remember this, you are God's, not just his people, you are actually God's inheritance. Inheritance. That's why he went to the cross to inherit you for all eternity. Think about it. For all eternity. Let's do the kids now. I didn't want to do it like this. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, we're going to pray Rachel first. Rachel, come on up. Put on a song in the background there. No, we pray Rachel. This is significant. Right, so I want Rachel, come up here. We're going to pray Rachel. Shifra, Shirley, Shan. Can we stand as a church? Jordan. Shifra. Where's Shirley? Paul, I want us to pray that these six, mo six months are the most significant six months of my own daughter's life. Amen? Amen? Amen. It's going to restore things that were robbed from her. Amen? Come on, Paul. Uncle Paul, all these years standing with her. Faithful for years. Come on, Paul. Seven, Papa. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ribidi and the Rabba Borosolabu, Rikidi.